Today, on the fourth week of the five weeks of Halloween, we go over cursed objects. We're going to go over quite a few and figure out which ones are truly cursed and you do not want to mess More coming up for you on the fourth week of the five weeks of Halloween. Stay tuned, spooky listeners. Listen if you dare, as we unfold stories of unexplained happenings and phenomena. Write in at unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. This is where the unexpected and ghost stories are brought into reality. This is Unexpected Hauntings. That's right, everyone. Welcome back to week four of the five weeks of Halloween. Um, and we got a guest to get today. Um, Chase is here, and we're going to be talking about cursed objects. What's going on, Chase? Hi, Ben. I'm doing good. How are you doing today? Good, good. Um, yeah, we've got a good lineup today. We're going to be talking about uh, Myrtle's Plantation, and um, that's that's going to be actually about a mirror that's in Myrtle's plantation, mm -hmm. um, which is going to be really neat. And um, Curse of the Crying Boy, I don't know if you've heard about that, but it's about a painting that if you, it said that if you put it up in a house, it'll burn the house down. And the painting, it can't be burned. So <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh, and two stories about dolls. Yes, cursed dolls. And we know everyone is scared as shit of dolls uh, when they're involved in any kind of haunting. Oh, I mean, dolls just in general. You see the wacky porcelain dolls and everything like that. You always feel like you're being watched no matter what. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah. So, it's crazy. So, how are you doing today, Chase? I'm doing good. I am very excited. Spooky season is here. Halloween is next week, and I am super pumped, um, especially now that we're going into our second moon, uh, second full moon, and it's going to be on Halloween, so the spiritual realm, the veil between the physical realm and the spiritual realm is going to be a lot weaker during that time, so I'm going to be expecting a lot of... Uh, paranormal and or spiritual things happening which i am very excited for i got all my witch stuff ready to go ready to go to bless myself under the full moon and talk to some spooky ghosts and maybe find a pet demon who knows hey there you go mm -hmm. there you go that sounds like a good time <laughs> i have a dog uh waiting yeah. waiting for it right now oh there you go i'm sure that there's there's probably a lot of people out there that would love to talk to their loved ones as well um, during that time it's uh it's always pretty interesting how you can talk um, and communicate with the dead it's very interesting how that works um, I could but, always yeah. just drop the doll off back over here <laughs> at your place. no no that would not no that would not go You'll well you see it just sitting at your front door like a knock and then you see you just sitting there be like here you go and this is all yours Ben oh no no that would be that would be crazy um, but, but yeah, it's crazy to believe that Halloween is in one week. It's just gone by super fast. Uh, I think I saw something online and it was like, so Halloween is, uh, it showed the calendar of like October and it was like the first and it had a lot of, a lot of October marked out and it's like, okay. And it's skipping over to Halloween and it's like, that's that's the truth. That's yeah. the reality. It really feels like it. This year has been a shit show and a half. Oh, yeah. 2020 in itself has been a horror show, I think. <laughs> exactly. I can't wait for the movies it's crazy. to pop out for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's insane. I just heard that there was a famous actor that was, uh, that was actually diagnosed with cancer today. Um, I can't think of his name, but... He was the dad that was in Tron, the Disney movie Tron. Uh, he's got that deep voice. Oh, I can't think of his name. 
But it'll come to me. It's like, well, like, we have Chadwick Boseman who died, and then we yes. have, uh, what, Van Halen, Eddie Vale or something like that? He died of cancer. Eddie like, Vale. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Van Halen. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And it's like these ghosts, these, you know, famous people that are, are now dead are, are ghosts. And it makes me wonder, too, if they left something behind um, because sometimes you can communicate with famous artists like that as well. Um, especially there was an episode not too long ago about um, about how you can communicate with artists where they played and did their shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. very cool. Yeah, it's just like things that they've had that they've attached themselves to or like resonates with them. Like their spirit can, a piece of their spirit can stick with it. And yeah. it's a good thing to kind of hold itself on to. Hopefully none of that's cursed. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Um, hope not. So, but yeah, Chase, thank you for um, for coming over. And um, this is a new thing for the, the station, the channel, and everything. Uh, doing face-to-face um, uh, just episodes. It's great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. This is going to be cool. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be a blast. And uh, this is going to be a really fun episode, of course. So, we're going to go into the history of Myrtle's Plantation that's placed in Louisiana. I believe it's the heart of Louisiana. Um, St. Francisville, to be honest. Uh, that's where it, at, where it is. Um, and it's a grand mansion. So, there's just a couple of different things. That they're that are haunted. Of course, the mirror. We'll get we'll get to that. But um, just wanted to do a little bit of a background of this place for you guys, so that way you can get a little bit of an idea of what this place is like. So um, there is. Let's see. There's some ghosts that are there. The first one is Whiskey Dave. Uh, the drama of the Myrtles Plantation, and it began in 1796 when General David Bradford, also known as Whiskey Dave of the Whiskey Rebellion, fled the United States to avoid arrest and imprisonment. Bradford arrived at Bayou Serra, then a Spanish colony, and obtained a, la- a land grant of 650 acres from the Baron de Cornelay to begin a new life. In 1820, the Myrtles was sold to, to his son-in-law, Judge Clark Woodruff, who remodeled the mansion. So, um, and I looked into Whiskey Dave, kind of Googled it, um, and they, they're saying that they can find Whiskey Dave in that mansion um, because he still has a tie to the Myrtles. Uh, and that, I was going to say, too, that's very interesting because some people can be haunted to their name, I believe. Um, and, uh, yeah, I could go on and on about that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, I mean, like, we hear, like, names, you know, like, for example, we hear about, like, Al Capone and, like, you know, him hunting, haunting, like, Alcatraz, I believe. That's where he was. Um, I can't remember mm-hmm. what prison he was I believe it was Alcatraz and you know like a couple of other artists like we have Joaquin Phoenix's brother um that still haunts that nightclub that you know he was murdered in and you know it's like if you know the name of somebody still like it can also like resonate with them a lot more and it gives them acknowledgement for their spirits to still stay there right so especially um I mean for what was it Whiskey Dave right Mm, Yeah, yeah for like for like him you know having like that opportunity um well running away from law enforcement (laughs) yeah and um you know just getting a good grant of land and stuff like that too and since it is in louisiana louisiana is a very powerful like area specifically like the whole state is powerful itself i mean you have new orleans too and like everything during that time in like 1796 you know that's the development of like black culture and stuff like that you know you have hoodoo voodoo and everything like that um, which is not my place to talk about because I do not practice it. 
but like just in certain states and everything like that and in certain areas you have like so many different landlines and everything like that where like spirits can become intensely attached to and everything like that and they have a reason you know maybe whiskey dave was is still trying is still thinking that he's on the run and he's just attached to this you know yeah it could very well be that Mm -hmm. yeah um, let's see, and I'm just going to talk about the era a little bit. It's called the Sterling Era. Um, it says, 14 years later, the house was sold to Mr. Ruffin Sterling, who completed the mansion in the grandeur that one can see today. The 125-foot-long veranda is noted for its ornamental ironwork. The entrance foyer contains some of the finest examples of Fox Boys, Fox... Faux boys. Faux boys, my bad. <laughs> Faux boys and open pierced bright freeze work, freeze work in existence today. <laughs> Sorry, it's, the French is just like getting to me. Um, um, the French chandelier is Baccarat crystal and weighs more than 300 pounds. The stained glass entrance, original to the house, was hand painted etched and patterned after the French cross to ward off evil. The ladies and gentlemen's parlor are mirrored reflections of one another. These two rooms are identical in size and exhibit magnificent open pierced fries work molding. (laughs) Do you need me to (laughs) The How do you say that? Carrara? Carrara? Marble mantles grace the north and south walls of the parlors. The dining and gaming rooms, important to plantation life, are downstairs. The former provided a place to hold uh, festive dinners and to discuss events of the day. The later, the latter, my bad, <laughs> the latter offered a restful and intimate atmosphere for games of chance. So I'm guessing games of chance would probably mean like, like poker, poker and stuff like card that. games yeah. like that. They don't have video yeah. games <laughs> like we do now. <laughs> uh, <just a> minute. <clears throat> but anyways, you know, just reading this off the Myrtles Plantation website for you guys, um, and it's really cool. I'll, I'll put a uh, picture on our Facebook page, of course, and it'll all be good. But so we're gonna go into the haunted mirror at the Myrtle's Plantation Manor. So here we go. Okay, it says, um, paintings aren't the only inanimate objects plagued by the paranormal. Mirrors have long had a reputation for connecting the world of the living to the world of the dead, including a 200-year-old mirror at that infamously haunted Myrtle's Plantation. All right, it's going to talk about the ghostly mirror at the Myrtles Plantation. The Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville, L.A. bills itself as one of the America's most haunted homes. Though dozens of legends surround the historic property, the tale of the haunted mirror is one of the most famous. According to popular legend, a slave named Chloe baked an oleander laced cake and poised three members of the prominent Woodruff family. Sarah, the lady of the plantation, and her two daughters. Some say Chloe purposely killed the family, while others insist she only meant to, to make them ill. In any event, Sarah and the children died and are now trapped inside the old mirror, or so the story goes. Visitors at the 217-year-old plantation report seeing handprints on the glass, prints allegedly belonging to the slain Woodruffs. Strange drip marks also run the length of the mirror, and no amount of cleaning can remove the residue. Visitors have also spotted figures in old-fashioned clothing lurking inside the mirror's warped glass. Though something strange may be going on in the mirror. It's probably not Sarah or her daughters. Despite the legend of the murder's slave named Chloe, plantation records show no record of a slave by the name, and one of the Woodruff daughters survived well into adulthood. 
The other daughter perished from yellow fever, as did Sarah Woodruff. Is the Myrtle Plantation mirror truly haunted? Or are people letting their imagination get the best of them? Well, see, the thing about mirrors is it's a parallel universe. Like, imagine it as, like, a parallel universe, right? When you look into it, you're seeing into a different plane of yourself. Mm. Mirrors have, like, widely been, like, known and discussed by several different scholars and people throughout history um, that, you know, mirrors are, like, that, you know, like, that different plane of ourselves, essentially. And when you look into a mirror... You know, you can invite good or negative energy in. You know, spirits and energy travel through mirrors and stuff like that. So even then, you know, if there's the possibility of Sarah and her two daughters getting murdered, which could be or could not be, you know, like, even if this mirror is haunted, and, you know, as I said before, mirrors are that kind of plane, two things... You can see so many several different spirits, especially, you know, like, just for where it is and everything like that, too. You know, if there's that ill intent where they were poisoned and killed, you know, a mirror is a good way to, like, communicate and talk to spirits and stuff like that. However, it can also project a lot of negative energy and negative things can, like, warp through the said mirror if you allow them to or anything like that. So, you know, for people to see things inside of the mirror, you know, that's completely fascinating. And a lot of the times that's where we can really notice and see that there's different things behind us. Or, like, you see different objects or everything like that because you're in that different plane. And on that different plane, you know, you get to see their energy and their forms and everything like that, too. So that's pretty interesting. I I would... I'm not sure. Now, since mirrors do offer that opportunity, it could be, there could be a possibility. You know what I mean? Right. There definitely could be. That's very true. Yeah. And um, I believe really that every mirror um, can definitely be a portal for sure. Um, This is kind of funny, actually, whenever I was. getting everything ready to move in um my my dad was like do you really want to bring up you want this mirror you want to bring it i was like no no i'm good <laughs> give that to someone else because i do not i mean i mean I, I don't know i mean i i get it like there's mirrors in the bathroom and stuff i'm cool with that mm-hmm. but you know just oh, like mirrors in the bathroom like any kind of stuff mirror. but yeah. that's right yeah, any kind of mirror for sure um can definitely be a portal Um, but it's not open. I don't know if it's really, I don't feel like it's open 24 seven. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's gotta be at a certain time or a certain, uh, I'm not really sure how that works. Well, like see like spirits, you know, they thrive on like energy when we see like, you know, shows or anything like that, they use devices and everything to help channel their energy in and everything like that. That's true. So, you know, Let's say, for example, someone comes by and takes a picture of it. You know, the flash and the energy from that person being there, they're manifested more their selves. The spirits can leech off of that, not necessarily leech off of that, but kind of amplify themselves through that energy. And a lot of times when people take pictures and stuff like that, you can see that because it picks up on that energy and everything like that. Because, oh God, what's her name? She's the one that tortured all the slaves. Uh, Madame Lahuri, I think that was her name, Lahuri, or something like that. Um, huh. But there was like, um, there's been like a series of photos going around of like her actual silhouette there, and you yeah. know, like the tourists on the bus were like, "Oh, we didn't see anything," and then you look at the picture and like, there's her figure. There was a Victorian <laughs> dress and everything like that too, you know, like. It's just interesting to look into the parallels of things and, like, with that energy, you know, certain things can always be manifested through it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very, very interesting. Um, so, yeah, uh, let us know uh, if what do you think about mirrors and portals. Uh, write into us at unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear you guys uh, and what you guys think about this. Uh, be, be very interesting. Also, 
while you're doing that, uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button to our Apple Podcast or uh, Spotify. We would love for you guys to subscribe to us and write us a review. Let us know what you think about us, uh, good or bad. Any kind <laughs> of ideas, too, would be Yes, yes. And hopefully, you know, hopefully it's not bad. <laughs> don't, don't let you know. Don't, don't, don't be like the downer. Be like, your show sucks. Because well, I mean, creative, but, criti- creative criticism, constructive criticism. That is true. That's very true. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go into the curse of the crying boy painting, um, and yeah, it's got a very interesting backstory behind it. Do you have anything you want to say before before I start reading the curse of the crying boy? Anything about the painting? So the painting itself is a very emotional painting. It's like when you look at photos of anything like super emotional or anything like that, you know, emotions can also trigger a lot of spiritual reactions too Mm -hmm. and everything like that because you're in such a heightened state. So the history about, you know, the Curse of the Crying Boy painting, um, which I know you'll get to in a minute, it's, it was very, it's very interesting to kind of look into and stuff like that as well. Like there's, you know, things about like Van Gogh's paintings being, you know, haunted or like, you know, like when you look into it, you know, you feel certain types of ways or anything like that. Cursed paintings are just very interesting, very interesting to look into and everything mm-hmm. like that as well. It's like, you know, when we think of, you know, negative spirits or spirits, like, inhabiting into something, or the, the spiritual energy, you know, we'll think about, like, mirrors, or dolls, or, you know, like, anything like that, but not a lot of people will really consider paintings. Right. Paintings themselves are all, also objects, especially, like, say, if the painting has a very tragic backstory and if the painting is like of someone you know that had a negative outcome or you know just a specific kind of outcome Mm -hmm. you know that that's something to really take into consideration and the painting is like very emotional of course and i mean like you know the the quote that like got gets me is like you can't burn the painting because the boy's tears will always cry it out you know, right. and down it out. So, you know, that's that's something interesting to really think about and stuff mm-hmm. like that too, just with the history of it, just kind of like the history with anything. Right. Very true. All right, we're going to go into this, the history of the Curse of the Crying Boy painting. So here we go. One September morning in 1985, British residents opened their copies of The Sun, a popular newspaper, to find an astonishing article, Blazing Curse of the Crying Boy, read the headline. According to the story, Ron and Mary Hall lost their home to a fire when a frying pan burst into flames. Although the whole house was destroyed, one item remained, a print of the painting of the crying boy. Ron Hall's brother, Peter, who was a fireman, claimed that this wasn't the first time this had occurred. Peter stated that he had witnessed many fires in which everything was ruined, except for the crying boy painting. The response to the article was overwhelming. Within a day, hundreds of readers had reached out to the newspaper, claiming to be jinxed by the painting. How could one painting cause such an uproar? It all began in the 1950s. A Spanish artist named Giovanni Brogolini <laughs> made a series of paintings that depicted a young child crying. He sold these paintings to tourists as a reminder of the orphans of World War II. Oddly enough, people in England, especially young couples, grew fond of these paintings. Mass prints of the paintings were sold across the country. After the story was published, people were seized with hysteria. The legend grew bigger as imaginations ran wild. Some people claimed that the painting had caused the death of a family member. Um, others reported that when they tried to burn the prints, the painting would not catch on fire. Even restaurants with crying boy prints were burned to the ground. Firefighter Alan Wilkinson asserted that the fires were not supernatural events. 
and and were a result of carelessness. However, he admitted that he had noted more than 50 crying boy fires since 1973. Eventually, enough was enough, with people desperate to get rid of their copies of the painting. Kelvin McKenzie, editor of The Sun, came up with a solution. He told readers to send in their paintings and that The Sun would destroy them once and for all. On Halloween, newspaper staff burned more than 2,500 copies of the paintings. As time passed, the original frenzy died down, but that hasn't stopped people from adding their own pieces to the legend. One story claims that the boy in the painting was an orphan living in Madrid. Ooh, Spain, Madrid, okay. Despite a priest's warning that fires broke out wherever the boy went, the artist decided to adopt the child. Sometime later, the artist's studio burned down. The little boy ran away, never to be seen again. Was there something sinister about this painting? Or was it all a media spectacle designed to attract readers? Regardless of whether or not the crying boy was truly evil, its tale lives on in infamy. Okay. Hmm. So that's interesting. Um, Madrid, it's that's a pretty livid town. I don't know how it was back then, but I remember going to Madrid uh, one time, and it's the city that never sleeps, that's for sure. Um, but that's pretty wild to be, I've been able to say that I've been there uh, for Madrid. But um, really sad story, though, about what happened to the kid. You, you uh, kind of makes you wonder where, where he went or where mm-hmm. he disappeared off to. Because, <laughs> you know... Um, well, of course, you wouldn't be alive by now, probably. Yeah. I was going to say, you know. Well, um, just thinking about, like, the meaning behind why those paintings were done, just thinking about, like, the orphans that died during World War II, stated from the article mm-hmm. and everything, that can channel, like, a lot of energy through it and, like, a lot of, like, spiritual contact through it, especially when you're thinking about, like, children that have gone through pain and, you know, World War Two, you think of, like, fire and, like, things getting automatically destroyed and obliterated, so maybe he, you know, it's, like, an unwilling thing, maybe something channeled through that, the emotions, I'm sure, of, like, of what the kids felt, of what the people felt, like, everything that they went through, channeled in through a, that painting specifically, or any kind of those paintings whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And did that outcome that they went through is what other people would go through. The, like, the question that I have, though, if, like, the painting couldn't be burned, how the, the sun was able to burn so many copies of them... Yeah, like, and that's the thing too. It makes me wonder: is it the original that can't be burned, or like copies? Copies can't be burned. Yeah. It, it would make sense if the original couldn't be burned. Yeah. But, so I think it might be the original, but yeah. But like also um, like it's stating too, like in this article that with people who like had it, you know, the they were the painting it on stuff. Yeah, well, like happened. the paintings themselves like wouldn't get damaged in the fire too. So. Hmm. Was was it the copies that caught that they destroyed? Oh, they're like the original. The the only downside is the article really never like went hmm. into that. It did say copies at the end, but it didn't really right. That's say true. like distinguish like okay, could huh. the copies not be burned or could that's... the original just not be burned? You know, that's in like. That's a question. Yeah, that is sure. a very big question. Huh. So really let big us know. Point. Yeah, let us know if you if you guys have have any questions or think about that because that's that is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a video under here, but uh, first off, I wanted to go ahead and give um, give Emily credit for this um, off of Medium.com. I normally I normally give everyone credit on here because I don't want to risk being copyrighted uh i don't want them to i don't want them to get mad for copywriting issues so um thank you emily that was really cool so that was written and typed in november 12 2019 um 
but yeah it's very interesting there's pictures and videos and stuff so whenever this episode comes out tomorrow around noon I'm gonna be posting some pictures and videos that'll go along with this so that way it'll be a little more visual for you guys because I'm a visual learner and I'm sure a lot of people out there are visual visual learners as well so yeah so there's a lot of there are the sources under here um, all right well we're gonna go into Robert the doll uh, back whenever I was doing haunted uh, is it haunted Mondays you remember mm -hmm. sort of remember mm -hmm. a little bit about yeah. that chase um, Robert the doll was in there and actually a good buddy of mine the photographer for unexpected hauntings um, he brought up uh, Robert the doll and I didn't know about Robert the doll till he told me about it it's a very very haunted object for sure um, this doll has definitely made a name of name for himself mm -hmm. um, and there's also a Robert the doll movie Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Oh, I didn't know that yeah, either. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, if you guys have Amazon video, um, then it is on there. So, it's really cool. Um, but, yeah. So, it's pretty wild. So, I'm going to go ahead and read some about Robert the Doll. There's just nidbits here and there on this site. And then we'll talk more about it. Yeah, like the generalization of Robert the Doll, um, from like what I remember of it, was that, um, oh god, was it wrong? No, yeah, it is Robert the Doll. It's like, what, if you make fun of it or anything like that, hmm. um, you're like cursed or something and you have to apologize to it or anything like that, correct? Or was right. it that? Because, um... It like I think the legend goes that a child's soul is attached to it mm -hmm. specifically and like lives inside of it. Yes, yes, that that's what it's um that's like what it's a about. Little sailor, yeah. A little sailor um, uniform. Yep, yeah, a little sailor uniform. Um and of course, you know, um uh, Zach Bagans has it of course in his in his museum of haunted things. Uh, which I still want to go and see. That would be a really cool that trip would be to go to. Uh, uh, I would definitely Vegas. be bringing some sage for that or <laughs> something because uh, I don't want no bad juju following me. Oh, like. yeah. It's it's really cool. Really neat. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely need to be protected before going in there for sure. Uh, they're, they've got... Um, the Dipic box, you know, which was also another cursed object. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's also times where... People that were visiting Zach Bagan's museum, um, they like have passed out and mm -hmm. just didn't feel right, and they had to race out of there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, get really sick, yeah. Yeah. Queasy from it all. So it's pretty wild. Yeah, you just gotta get um, make sure you're ready for that. But um, here we go. We're gonna go into um, into Robert the Doll. This takes place in Key West, so really not. Just south of Georgia, really. So, so nothing too far away. No. All right, here we go. This is the beginning, uh, little um, beginning of Robert the Doll. The story of Robert the Doll dates back to the early 1900s when a young boy named Eugene Robert Otto was given a one-of-a-kind handmade doll by a servant that worked for his parents in his home. Eugene, who everyone called Gene, named the doll Robert and quickly became attached to his new friend. The home where Eugene lived, now called the Artist's House, is located at 534 Eaton Street and was built between 1890 and 1898. It was here that Eugene was given Robert the doll and where a friendship that lasted throughout his lifetime and beyond was forged. While he seemed like an ordinary cloth doll, it wasn't long before Robert was involved in strange and somewhat terrifying events. The first hint that something out of the ordinary was happening was one night when Jean was only 10 years old, awoke to find Robert the doll sitting at the end of his bed staring at him. 
Moments later, his mother was awakened by his screams for help and the sounds of furniture being overturned in her son's bedroom. Jean cried for help, begging his mother to rescue him. When she finally was able to wrench the locked door open, she saw poor Jean curled, curled up in fear on his bed, his room in shambles, and Robert the doll sitting at the foot of the bed. Okay, and then there's little thing. See, Rob, Robert did it? Yeah, like, Jean would, like, blame yeah. it on the doll, like, saying, like, oh, Robert did this, Robert did that. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, it's just talking about mm-hmm. how basically Eugene or, Eugene or Jean would um, blame everything on Robert. Yeah, like, if something okay. bad ever happened or, like, something weird ever happened, he's like, Robert did it. Okay, all right, and so underneath it, it's got, did Robert do it? Okay. Yeah, and then, the, like, the question is, it's like, did Robert actually do it or did Jean do it, you know? Like, yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of one of those things to really think about, too, but huh. going through the article, you know, it does pose that question as well. Right. Okay, well, it goes further on to say, did Robert do it? Nobody knows for sure why or how this child's plaything could actually wreak havoc on a child's bedroom or do anything at all. After all, it was just a toy, right? But the weird and inexplainable didn't stop at the one occurrence. Jean's parents would often hear their sons upstairs, their son upstairs talking to the doll and getting a response back in a totally different voice. They reported seeing the doll speak and witnessing his expression change, giggling and sightings of Robert running up the steps or staring out the upstairs window were also reported. Robert continued to live with Jean throughout his lifetime, and after Jean's parents died, he moved back into their home with his wife, Anne. Jean decided that the doll needed a room of his own and placed him in the upstairs room that had a window overlooking the street. Mm. Anne, I think it's Anne, or is it Annie? It's Anne. Okay, yeah. Anne felt uneasy with Robert in the house, and although she couldn't put her finger on it, she wanted Jean to lock the doll up in the attic, where he could do no harm. Jean conceded, and as one could imagine, Robert the doll was not happy with his new digs. Soon, visitors to the home heard footsteps in the attic and sounds of someone pacing back and forth in devilish giggling. Neighborhood children reported seeing Robert watching them from the window in the upstairs bedroom and told accounts of the doll actually mocking them as they walked to school. When Jean heard of this, he immediately went to investigate, knowing that he had locked Robert in the attic and there was no way he could be sitting by the window of the upstairs bedroom. But to his complete shock, when he opened the door of the bedroom, there was Robert, sitting on the rocking chair by the window. Jean locked Robert back up in the attic several times, each time discovering him again sitting by the window in the same upstairs bedroom. Alright, it says, A New Child to Terrorize. When Jean Otto died in 1974 and when a new new owner moved into the house on Eaton Street, their teen their ten year old ten year old daughter was delighted to find Robert the doll in the attic. But her delight ended soon when she claimed that Robert was alive and that the doll wanted to hurt her. She awoke often in the middle of the night, screaming in fear and told her parents that Robert had moved about in the room. Okay, and it says it wasn't long before Robert the doll was given away and told, and today he lives in the East Martello Fort where visitors from all over the world can come to see him. Yes, he is, but I believe they gave it away to Zach Bagans. So, um, that or he spent a lot uh, of money (laughs) to buy it. Exactly. Okay, and I'm just going to go over this one quick thing real quick, and then we're going to go on to the main the main event for this episode, and that's Annabelle. Um, but yeah, we're just going to go, okay, so it continues. Is Robert really a possessed doll? Many believe that the origin of Robert's evil lies 
and the one who originally gave him to Jean Otto, the servant who worked for Jean's parents. This woman was supposedly mistreated by her bosses, and to punish them, it is believed that she cursed the doll with voodoo and black magic. That might explain the many mysteries and frightening experiences people have had with Robert the doll. But if so, wouldn't the haunting end when the owners died? No one really knows for sure. But one thing remains constant. Robert the doll continues to taunt and scare those who come to view him, especially guests to the museum who attempt to take photos. Many have reported their cameras becoming inoperable when they tried to take a picture of Robert, only to begin working again when they left the museum. Robert the doll sits inside a glass case, but it doesn't seem to stop him from inflicting fear and discomfort to the museum staff and visitors. Yeah, there's videos out where, like, people said that, you know, that they can capture, like, Robert the doll's facial expressions, like, changing and all that stuff. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, because, I mean, he's... He's just a cloth doll. I mean, um, in the picture I'll be showing on Facebook on our page, it's seriously just a cloth doll in a sailor suit, really, mm -hmm. um, with a creepy-looking bear. That I don't know. The, the, Is the, it a bear or... I don't know. His face freaks me out more than anything else, I think. The animal? No. Or the bear? No. Or his Robert, face? Robert, yeah. Robert. Well, like, the thing is, like, a lot of people... It depends on the angles, too. It's like, is he really haunted? Well, you gotta look at the angles of everything. Maybe the, like, reflect, reflection of the light, you know, can show that he is looking at you. Or, you know, maybe he is haunted and stuff like that, too. Well, there's, like, several accounts of, like, dolls being more possessed than anything else because they mimic the human figure, like... Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm you know, hmm. more than anything else. So it could be a possibility that right. it was haunted, you know? That's true. Yeah, and there's a doll, I can't remember, it might be Robert the Doll, that they based Chucky on. Chucky the movie. Hmm. Um, I know that they based it on a possessed doll, um, which makes sense, you know, how they came up with a lot of the uh, material. Yeah. And I guess a lot of people didn't think about dolls and stuff like that um, until it came out. Mm hmm So, um, and of course, you know, it's cheesy and all that with Chucky, but um, yeah. there definitely are cursed dolls out there, I believe. There's so many so. cursed everything, honestly. Yes, for sure. Um, and one thing that's very interesting is really every religion I looked into, um, they all believe, they all know and believe in demons, really. Yeah, there's um, always... Because they're, they're very active and they're always around. Yeah, That's why you got to be careful and, you know, cleanse yourself and make sure that you're safe. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it doesn't even have to be demons. It can just be like any kind of negative spirit, you know. Like mm -hmm. in Japan, you know, kind of like the, the tattoo I have is of a Japanese oni mask, which repels negative energy. And everything like that to make and the only mask is meant to look scary and mm -hmm. kind of mimic you know what these entities look like to push them away as like a symbol of protection and everything like that too you know you can use like candles and everything like that to protect it too it's like whether you believe of like Christianity's version of like demons or you know like um, you know like negative energies and you that exude in, you know, like, paganism and Wicca and everything like that, too. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of everywhere. And right. So many things can get attached to so many different objects. Mm -hmm. So many different objects. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. So, we got this information from ghostandgravesstones.com. Um, and it's basically a website. I was actually looking into it. I don't know if Zach Bagans actually has it as a, at his museum or not. Because I was looking into it. This is an actual museum where you can go and find Robert the Doll. Um, and it's in St. Augustine, Florida. Um, I've actually been there a couple of times. I can't believe 
<laughs> I didn't come across that while I was there, but um, but yeah, so you can find him there, um, uh, and just you know, just Google ghostsandgravestones.com, and you can just book a tour. Um, and Robert the doll is there, so Zach Bagans must have uh, returned. He it. must have, you know, returned it, or he's <laughs> requested it for that episode. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but anyways, we're gonna go into the real Annabelle story. Um, and there's been different versions of Annabelle. Of course, the um, famous Annabelle series, the movies um, that came out were really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Ed and Lorraine Warren were a big part in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, rest their souls. Really, they they. I think both of them has, have passed away, mm-hmm. but they were definitely a legendary icon. Um, I still love the book, The Demonologist. I'm almost done with it. Um, I would definitely recommend mm-hmm. anyone to read it. It's great. It goes into all of their belief systems, all of what they did, the true stories behind what they did. Um, oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, so it was actually, it wasn't a porcelain doll. Um, it was a raggedy mm-hmm. ant, mm-hmm. which a lot of people, um, to this day, they think, oh, it's the porcelain doll. It's like, yeah, no. it's still raggedy and another cloth doll. <laughs> yeah, another cloth doll to add to the list, of course. And then this doll definitely, for sure, is possessed. Um, and I, I believe to this day it's still possessed, mm-hmm. really. Um, I was watching a thing where you actually have to wear these gloves to handle it, even if you mm-hmm. want to handle it. So it's very interesting. Um, let's see. So we're going to find out where this starts on the page. I mean, honestly, like we all know, like the movie startup, what uh, she was gift. There was a, a girl that was gifted that doll. And then, like, what strange things were happening, like, in the mu- in the movies itself, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's basically, gonna, this report's going to be talking about Annabelle, Annabelle the movie and talking about the history behind um, the doll and the Warrens. So this will be pretty cool. Um not really sure how bouncy this will be so <laughs> stick with me um, but yeah it says that the real Annabelle doll actually lives in a locked box at the Warren's Occult Museum at her Monroe home so basically they still have the Occult Museum at the Warren's house I don't know who still owns the Warren's house hmm. um, but I think it's son-in-law probably probably because I am yeah, because um, listen to ghost. I listened to uh, Real Ghost Stories Online, and they did mm-hmm. a really cool interview mm-hmm. um, with them. So, yeah, if you guys want to listen to that, it's really cool. It's on Real Ghost Stories Online. You can listen to them on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually have an interview with the son-in-law of the Warrens. It's really interesting. But, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think um, it's the son-in-law. Yeah. And what a house to own. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be crazy. Well, they have, like, a bunch of different kind of trinkets in there, too. Oh, from, yeah. like, all the cases that they've gone through. Annabelle was primarily, what, their most famous one. Mm-hmm. For that sure. That they went through because, like, the story... Like, we know the story goes... A college girl gets a Raggedy Ann doll. And then weird things start happening around her apartment between her and her roommate what they do like a seance um mediums like oh a little girl's trapped inside of this doll so mm-hmm. you know over time you know try to you know make the doll more comfortable and then you know as time progresses things get weirder one of the girls uh, boyfriend like one of the girls their boyfriend like throws the doll or something and says something and he gets choked out like says he gets w- woken up in the middle of the night getting choked out by this doll Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, worse and worse things keep happening. And so, like, you know, I I can't remember if if or, like, when Ed and Lorraine Warren stepped in. But eventually, like, you know, the girls are like, all right, we need to get rid of this. And I think that's when Ed and Lorraine Warren came in and, like, 
got it and then like um their priest friend like got into a car accident because he was laughing about the doll and then mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like when you under yeah it's like when you undermine it you know mm-hmm. bad shit happens you know that's true and then like yeah. the movies are like going into where they're just, like the spirit the demonic soul the negative energy that's like inhabiting that doll is want to inhabit you know a human vessel right essentially and exactly and in Ed and Lorraine's works too they focused a lot on don't mimic or um, don't um, go against demonic forces like mm-hmm. that don't mimic it because that can make it get a lot worse yeah I mean, um, like it's, you know. it's getting more and more attached to you yeah, and you know, some of them they like to just be acknowledged. That's all. They they just want to be acknowledged, go on with their lives, you know, or on with <laughs> their their own uh, thing. Their own thing, exactly. They're not alive, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. So it, you know, they just want to be. Most of them just want to be acknowledged, and that's it. You know, um, if you keep ignoring them, some bad shit can happen. Exactly. Um, for sure. And then there's some, you know, that just want to fuck shit up and make people miserable and have their own <laughs> agendas, too. Yeah. Especially with something that has that level of consciousness and, you know, ability as the spirit that possessed Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to read a little bit about this. This is a, this is a 2019 review um, of comparisons between Annabelle the movie and Annabelle in real life. Um, I kind of did this with Violet the Demon the last episode uh, of the um, Five Weeks of Halloween, and that was pretty interesting. So I thought I'll just throw this in there as well with Annabelle. Um, but anyways, it says the doll in the movie is a frightening-looking porcelain doll in a child's image with long hair, and the real Annabelle, the one in the Warrens Museum, is a plain-looking class classic Raggedy Ann doll. We just talked about that with the red yarn for hair. Um, and But the Raggedy Ann at the Warrens Museum is no ordinary doll. It, according to the Warrens, it inhabited by an inhuman spirit. And there is a warning on the glass, glass case not to touch it. Yeah, that's true because mm-hmm. apparently yeah, if you touch touch the it, doll... It can get attached to you. Get attached yeah. to you. And you don't want yourself to be haunted. You want yeah, just you the don't doll... Want- like the priest friend who like threw it, like okay, like that bad juju comes his way, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-mm. Okay, and it says one museum goer who ignored the warnings and taunted the doll mm-hmm. died in a motorcycle crash shortly after being told to leave the museum. The museum is a prequel to The Conjuring, based on the Warrens' real-life cases involving the doll. The couple had a lot of input in the first movie, but Annabelle is fabricated. Warren, who mostly, along with her late husband, was has investigate, investigated more than 10,000 cases of paranormal activity, presented the talk and slideshow of cases at the Catholic Girls High School with the help of her son-in-law, Tony, Tony yeah. Spera. He's also, yeah... Also a paranormal investigator. Oh, is um, is she still alive, Miss Warren? Who? Miss Warren. Is she still alive right now, or did she pass? Oh, Lorraine. Yeah. She passed away. Oh, I think okay. She, this she is passed like... away before. Yeah. This this was a 2019 review. Oh. Okay. Um. So I don't know when they passed away. I'm guessing it might have been 2019. 2018, 2019, maybe? I, I don't know. Look into it. Yeah, I'll look into it for sure. Um, okay, it says Warren now 87. And then that's the age that he passed away, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Soft spoken and sweet to all those who engaged her in conversation at a meet and greet. Said presenting at, at Laurelton was like going home because she attended the school in the late 1930s. But had to leave because of illness. Warren said her presentations are in extra demand during September and October because fascination in the subject is heightened 
during Hallow's Eve, as she calls it. Halloween. A Roman Catholic Warren, now in the early career with her husband, often works with priests and other clergy because they rely on blessings and sometimes exorcism to resolve a case. She said, The power of faith has gotten her out of many scary situations because it's often about fighting the demonic with goodness. Holy water is a tool. Warren said her Catholic faith is both her protection and her drive. Warren began by telling the audience that ever since the age of seven or eight, she saw lights or auras around people, but was afraid to tell her parents for fear they would think she was crazy. She spent many years praying about it because I I didn't want to be different, she said. Warren recalled a story from her Laurelton days She had a favorite teacher, a nun who taught French, and once told her, referring to her aura, Your lights are brighter than mother's mother's superiors. Warren said she was told to go to the chapel and pray about it, and it will go away. Her Laurelton audience, many with no no connection to the school, but there as Warren fans, roared with laughter. At first, she didn't even tell Ed Warren, whom she had met at 16, about her abilities. But later, he would tell her, you aren't different. Ed, and Ed, a self-taught demonologist, an interest he, de- he developed after growing up in the house, he said he haunted. Or he said it was haunted. He said it was haunted, yeah. Come on, B. And, um, well, yeah, just... I did just read that wrong. I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the beer. Yeah. The haunted beer. <laughs> and Lorraine would pull her talents and go on to become world famous paranormal investigators. Her career has spanned 65 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, of course they did Amityville and all that. I'm going to go fast forward all this so we can get to um, Annabelle. So just kind of talking about the Warrens going and like on with the Warrens their experience here. and everything like that. Okay. All right. Here we go. So this is talking about where is it? Oh, at the top about Annabelle right there. Okay. All right. We'll start right here. Okay. It says according to a clip, Spara, which is another ghost, um, another um, Spara is the son-in-law. The son son-in-law exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. According to a clip, Spara showed. The real-life Annabelle story began in 1970 when a 28-year-old nurse received the Raggedy Ann doll as a birthday gift from her mom. She put the rag doll on her bed and began to notice it changing positions. A leg would be crossed or the doll would be lying on its side. Then the girl and her roommate began to find parchment paper on the floor with written messages, such as, help me or help us. They had no parchment paper in the house, the doll began appearing in different rooms at one point appeared to be leaking blood. Then one day a male friend was taking a nap and woke up with the doll staring at him as he felt like he was being strangled. There were deep scratch wounds on his upper body. The girls at the first at first thought maybe an intruder was moving the doll around and leaving notes. When they ruled that out, according to the Occult Museum website, Not knowing where to turn, they contacted a medium and a seance was held. The girls were introduced to the spirit of Annabelle Higgins, said to be a young girl that resided on the property before the apartments were built and died there at age seven. According to the website, the spirit related to the medium that she felt comfort with two roommates in the apartment and wanted to stay with them and be loved. The roommates gave Annabelle permission to inhabit the doll, but things got worse. The Warrens took an interest in the case and contacted the women. They came to the immediate conclusion that the doll itself was not in fact possessed, but manipulated by by an inhuman presence. According to the Warrens' website, which goes on to say, Truly the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. Sparrow said the Warrens took the doll, and Ed Warren told his wife 
they should avoid the highway because he was going to be because he was going to be a rough it was going to be they put they misspelled <laughs> oh well because it was going to be a rough ride home he was right at some point he had to sprinkle the annabelle doll with holy water to calm it down the movie annabelle doesn't resemble the real life story in the movie the doll is owned by a young couple given to the woman for her doll collection as the woman nears her pregnancy due date, a pair of satanic cultists break in, stab the pregnant woman in the belly, and end up and end up dead in their home. One of the cultists is named Annabelle Higgins, and some of her blood lands on the doll. That's when the doll starts doing over-the-top scary things. Sparrow and Warren said they don't really care that the producers of Annabelle fra fabricated the story for the movie because it still serves the purpose of warning the public about demons. Everyone in the audience who believes in God must also believe there's a devil, Sparrow said. Ghosts, devils, demons are all real. He said that while most of the people are focused on the bad stuff regarding ghosts, there are beautiful stories as well such as the soldier who appeared to visit a loved one. Sparrow said it's a ghost if it is a stranger appears if it is a stranger appears. That appears in an apparition if you recognize the person. Thank you. That was weird. Really weird. <laughs> if, yeah, if it is a stranger appears in an apparition if you recognize the person. Okay. That doesn't make that much sense. Okay, the key, the key is don't open any doors. Yeah, don't invite, like, That's anything in or, you know, don't even, don't even give them the opportunity to really stay here because, you know, like, going back into Annabelle, those two girls invited the spirit, you know, that mm -hmm. was manipulating them the whole time to inhabit the doll and things just got worse and worse and worse, you know, he's, I mean, Spira, when he mentioned you know like you know just don't open up any doors like don't open up any invitation for these spirits to get in or any of these entities to get in because they could pretend to be one thing and then right you know you let them in and That's chaos and yeah. and they seem like a innocent spirit too. yeah they're always they always they seem always to be children come into yeah a, they always seem to be children uh, yeah the child state mm -hmm. and they look like you know um, they look pretty pitiful, so you put pity on it, get pity on them, and then, mm -hmm. and then before you know it, it's, you know, exactly, it's not a baby. This is uh, why I don't like kids. <laughs> <laughs> kids are inherently <laughs> demons. No offense to people yeah. who love kids. Oh but yeah. But going through all of this, I'm just like, ah, I don't really trust kids. Oh, yeah, you you all be just possessed or if, something if, like that. Exactly. If you want to write a scary movie or a scary story. Involve kids mm -hmm. because that will make it creepy as hell mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, like that, you know, fragmentation of innocence right. and everything like that, you know, with like Annabelle getting an innocent joke, I mean, like an innocent, you know, gift from her mom, and then, you know, then you have Robert the doll. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's so many innocent things that can be perceived, especially like it seems like a lot of entities just like to either possess children or act like children because of sympathy of trying to get that sympathetic thing mm. so the moral of the story is don't trust any <laughs> don't trust kids don't trust kids don't trust kids don't that's the real terror don't, of don't halloween don't trust your damn kids exactly <laughs> they could all be possessed by demons for yeah for all we know <laughs> for all we know mm -hmm. it could be like that all right, well, I think we're going to wrap up the episode with that. And thank you guys so much for joining us for the week four, the five weeks of Halloween. We got one more week, guys, and it's going to be a great one. Um, not really sure what it's going to be about, so that's that's always that's always fun because I always go with the um, go with the story that week of the episode been trying to do episodes in advance but it's just a little more fun and a little bit better just to do, do, it, the do it the week of exactly which you know it can be kind of scary because you're just kind of rushed to do it but I like it because 
because I mean I tried to do that and I would always forget what episode it would be and I'd be <laughs> like oh yeah it's an episode about so and so um, and so that way your mind's a little more fresh when the episode comes out mm-hmm. and it's just it flows the a demonic better. children can take a step back <laughs> take a step yeah. back from the mind exactly exactly alright so if you guys have any questions um, for us email at unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com don't forget to write a review of our channel on um, Apple Podcast. I don't think you can do that on Spotify uh, just yet but uh, anyways we'd love to hear back from you guys as well and write in your stories we're going to be starting back um, after the five weeks of Halloween with just um, great ghost stories uh, from some of my Reddit friends. So, anyways, guys, that is it for the episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and have a spooky night. <laughs>